0: Welcome back to Catapult Your Career, uh, where we delve into the reality of various careers and explore practical advice for numerous professions. Um, and on this episode, it's been one I've uh, been looking forward to uh, for, for a little while. Um, and it's delved into a, a different industry that often isn't spoken about, and there's loads of common misconceptions which we're, we're trying to tackle today. But it's uh, the world of farming or agriculture, whatever you kind of uh, regard, regard it as, um, and I have none other than a, a good kind of friend from school, uh, farmer and business owner in uh, Jack Bosworth. How, how are you, Jack?
1: I'm very good. Thank you, mate. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you. Thank, thanks for coming. Um, and we've already already joked he's got his, uh, his shirt and show the, the, the top hair of the chest like I remember back in the days at school. Yeah, so have always
1: uh... giving me a hard time about that,
2: weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no that,
1: that week we had in Magaluf all those years ago, I don't think it, I <laughs> don't think it sorted the tan out really. But... That
0: is true. That that is that is a blast from the past. I can mm. tell you that, crikey.
1: Um, but but
0: anyway, we're going into suppose, the suppose topic today and, and kind of delving into the the world of uh or the industry of agriculture and farming. I suppose before we kind of crack on, get, give us a bit of a introduction to yourself and your your kind of your brief brief background.
1: Yeah, so um, I was born into into a farming family. I've um, been farming here since 1934. Uh, we're based sort of between Chelmsford and Onga. Um Growing up, it was something that I knew, you know, from a very young age that I wanted to do. Um, and I think that probably helped me a lot going through school because, you know, there wasn't that distraction um throughout those sort of the latter years in school where you're you're trying to do all your work but at the same time thinking well what am i actually doing it for you know i kind of had that end goal from a very young age um so yeah through, throughout my life really um during school holidays i was always as you know i was always trying to work hard um and uh, and be as involved as as time would allow me to um and that that kind of just kept going really and and I kept working hard and and eventually sort of came back into the business. Um, I didn't take a, (laughs) I took a bit of an interesting journey into it, I suppose. So um, I I tried sick form after uh, GCSEs, very quickly decided that actually, why am I doing that? You know, I, I think I was doing that because that was the The expectation, that's the classic Mm. journey that people take. Um, So left sick form, went out onto other farms, did uh, various levels of practical experience across different farming businesses, um, some of which was paid, some of which wasn't. Um, And then a a university um, course came up that allowed people to get onto like a foundation degree without the A-level requirements. Um, and again, I looked at that and thought, oh, a lot of people who go into farming, who I know of, they go to this university, surely that's a pathway I should take next. So again, went to go and do that and very quickly decided that actually, no, this isn't right for me. This isn't working. Um, so came away from that, went back into the, the family business, um, Kind of worked my way through different roles, I suppose, is the best way to describe it um, so yeah i I feel very much sort of started at the bottom um and and tried to work my way through quite quickly. We then got to about two thousand and seventeen and um i just I just had a moment of sort of stagnation, really. I felt like things weren't moving as quickly as as I wanted to you know I'd almost grown into the business that then couldn't take anything to a next step because I didn't have that level of control to do it um so I actually had a a really good opportunity come up to go and work in nottingham uh and and obviously live over that way so there was a job as part of the house a uh, house part of the job sorry right. uh went over there for about a year and the job was managing uh, lots of people out in a, a horrible environment, out in the field, harvesting uh, leeks by hand. Uh, so as I say, went there, did that for a year. And that taught me so many things about, you know, what makes people tick and how to manage people. That, that's where I really felt things changed for me. And I, I became this this grown up that was ready to, to come back again and, and take the business to the next step. So. <laughs> Going to Nottingham allowed me to, to do that, but also allowed things to happen in the background of the, the family farming business. So, you know, other partners involved were, were at the point where they were rumming and Ring over retirement. And, and me making that move away, I think made, you know, others in the business realise, right, well, there's not room for all of us. So, you know, someone someone's got to get out before he comes back in. And yeah, it all kind of clicked into place after that. And fast forward to now, um, we've really grown things in the business. So we've doubled the number of um, of livestock we've got on farm. We've increased the land holding by twenty-five percent. Um, we've got more staff, you know, and and yeah, turnover has, has grown massively in the business. So um yeah, and then personally, uh, I'm I'm engaged, so today was actually supposed to be my wedding day. Um, I haven't cancelled wow. it for you, don't worry, I haven't cancelled it for you. I, I'm on the, I'm <laughs> on yeah. So today today was supposed to be my wedding day, but um we we were under quite a bit of pressure with everything else. So we had a, a little boy in March, um called Freddie, who's doing really well. Uh but when he was first born, um he was sort of a, a little bit underweight and, and struggling struggling to weight on and stuff like that. So we kind of made the decision that we were going to um, change the, the date of the wedding to give us less pressure as as he sort of um, got through that and uh, yeah that brings us nicely up to today.
0: Crikey crumbs I mean I mean firstly thank you for kind of sharing your your background and um, you know well firstly massive congratulations both on on the child and the engagement um, and you know fingers crossed I hope, hope they're look look forward to you know the wedding preparations hope that goes well um but when, when it yeah, you kind of be it. Having one
1: of these shirts that's for sure <laughs> the color.
0: i'd be disappointed if you were to be <laughs> yeah. oh, when i see the picture i'll be expecting that mm. um but no i mean thank you for for kind of giving us that background and i think we'll start to come on later in the, in the podcast around some of the common misconceptions around getting into the industry and you've kind of highlighted some already but I suppose a, a good starter for Tim for people who um, probably have no or little understanding of the kind of farming industry, and, and even if it would be a career that applies to them, you know, a nice kind of open ended question to, to start. What, what, what is a farmer? What, you know, what, what does a farmer even encapsulate? What does it involve?
2: So, can
1: I start with what the preconceived idea of a farmer is? Because I think that's. I, I want to yeah. see if people are on the same page, but I've always thought like when we were at secondary school and stuff like that, you know, there was no one else really there who was in farming and, yeah. uh, you get the classic questions of, you know, Oh, has your dad got a combine harvester and, <laughs> and all of this. And, uh, I suppose anyone who's watching this is probably surprised. I haven't got a, bit, a piece of straw hanging out my mouth or, or something <laughs> like that. Um, so yeah, I think the kind of preconception of, of a farmer is, uh, that you know it, it's someone who's in an old ragged check shirt straw hanging out the mouth there's a couple of animals in a field and there's a bit of a uh, bit of bit of grain out in the other fields and they do a bit of harvesting in the summer chuck some seed down in the winter and then it grows again and with the livestock they chuck a bucket of food out they grow and then you get money you know that that's sort of it's on one of those sketches isn't it the um Yeah, I forget the name, but um, yeah, that's kind of the the classic idea of what a farmer is. But maybe that used to happen. I don't know. It it certainly isn't the case now. So really what we do now, um, everything is is very modern, very high tech. So uh, we have about 7,000 pigs um, across two sites. So we have about 4,000 here and another 3,000-ish in Norfolk. Um, and everything is like, well, on the breeding side, we have electronic ear tags in every animal. Um, and each of those animals can have an individual feed plan. So you can feed them all different amounts. You don't have anything to do with feeding them. They walk into a station, the station picks up that animal's identity and will feed it what you've told the system to feed it. Um. On the arable side of the business, we farm about three hundred and fifty hectares um which is kind of like uh, it's about nine hundred acres um which is which is quite a lump. I probably should have checked to see how many football pitches that's equivalent to <laughs> to give people an idea but um yeah, that again is all very high tech and it's not horses going up and down with a plow anymore It's not even a a ropey old tractor going up and down with something you know everything is um done with gps so you're not steering the machines everything's to like centimeter accuracy now um and it's it's just gone from being quite a manual hands-on almost dirty kind of job don't get me wrong there's still tasks you know involved that where you do have to do things like that but the way it's gone now it's quite high tech Um, and that's opened up a whole new market for people coming into the industry. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's, that's, that's us as a farm. There's obviously other farming businesses with, with different animals and different things going on. And it's, every business is quite unique in this sector. You know, um, a lot of people have got the same end goals in terms of obviously wanting to achieve as much for their products as possible. Um, but, yeah, we, we I say, are very different to another pig farm further down the road. It, it's just, yeah, how people yeah. have invested over time and, and what changes they've really wanted to, to jump into. So.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And, and thanks for, like, kind of painting that picture. And I think I've met a few people, like you say, farming industry, and, again, we're, we're, we're perhaps come on, onto it, it can be perceived as quite insular, so quite inward-looking. So when, occasionally when you meet a farmer, um you for me i i'm just an incredibly curious and inquisitive person hence a podcast really um so i just asked a load of questions but you can even tell so i met a farmer uh, on a piece of volunteering i did um in, in the summer um and he almost shared it like you could tell they were wary of the misconception i might have about them they were like yes i'm a farmer. and i was like no no don't worry i'm not like i think it's bloody interesting but what they had done they diversified like you said the different industries different specialists they're diversified almost uh, at least 50% of their business into um, kind of crops. Um, but also I think it was feed uh, as part of governmental schemes in terms yep. of feed and, and stuff like that um, based on troubles with soil and stuff like that. So it, it really is a massive industry. and There's so many different specialism inside it. And like you said, I think what you've done is started to paint a picture of it's not just man with straw hat doing one thing. There's so many different avenues and I don't know if that brings any reflections for you when I start to paint that.
1: Yeah, it's also really interesting that you mentioned, you know, speaking to that other farmer and he kind of shot down this this perception like I feel I probably just did. But we don't blame or I certainly don't blame anyone for not understanding it because... why why would you, you know, going through school, it was never on the curriculum, you know, we never learnt about that side of things, and that's why I think we've got, you know, such a labour shortage in this industry, people aren't aware of farming, let alone what actually goes on in it, yeah, uh, that's no one's fault, yeah, you know, it it just hasn't been covered, so why are people going to know about it, Uh, as time goes on, I think, I think it probably will come in at some point, and the importance of where our food comes from is growing. And I think probably that's been since COVID, you know, um, people want to know about their food and and how it's produced and where it's produced. And yeah, um, that, that's what makes it exciting. And I think people will want to jump on that at at some point. I just hope it's soon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's true. And I, I mean, if we continue down the track of like common misconceptions, I suppose around farming, um I suppose there's a couple of bits to tackle here but I think the first obvious question for me and even when you were talking about your background it really like popped up for me obviously you were born into a farming family and I mean who knows I suppose this is a, a bit of a theoretical question here but do you think you had to become a farmer if that makes sense did did you did you have the choice per se or or, or was it almost this is this is what you're going to do
1: I, you know what I definitely had the choice because actually at times you know um I think we can all be too emotionally invested in stuff yeah and at times I I maybe felt like I was trying to trying to impress and actually my family would try and go the other way you know and push push you away from it they were that that against trying to force people in to doing mm-hmm. something they didn't want to do uh, and that, that worked well for me because I, I do think, yes, I've ended up going back into the business. But if I had have just wanted to please all the time and they had just wanted to, you know, keep getting me into the business as soon as possible, I wouldn't have gone away to Nottingham. I wouldn't have got that valuable experience. I probably would have stayed at university because I guess, you know, if, if my family had have said, oh well the business can pay for you to go to university and then you can Mm -hmm. come back to the farm but you know I never wanted to to really um you know milk all that that side of things from the business that wasn't wasn't what I wanted to do I kind of wanted to make my own way there um and and I think that's the other sort of misconception really is that people will maybe listen to this and think it's a family farming business. He's basically been handed a silver spoon and he's come back. And it definitely isn't like that at all. You know, everything I've achieved so far, I've had to work really bloody hard for. And I will keep working bloody hard until I stop, you know, that's just in my nature. And I don't don't want anything for free because I don't need anything for free. You know, I will just keep working hard. and, And that's how I'll get there with everything.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. And I think as a slight tangent, and I suppose I would kind of say this in terms of being a coach, there's a key bit for me there, though, of being of having that kind of self-awareness sort of like we always talk, are we pushed or are we pulled? Mm. And, you know, you even hear this, for those who might know Eddie Hearn, who obviously was a son of um, Barry Hearn, so the kind of boxing and, and you know, he was very much well-known for his snooker and stuff like that. But he always talks about, you know, um, being born with a silver spoon and how kind of Barry Hearn made sure his upbringing was very kind of hard on him to make sure he he didn't, he valued everything that he had. And you know, how hard he works, he works really hard, but part of the reason he works so hard is to do better than his father, to show, yes, he might have been born with a good situation, but because of his hard work ethic and his skills, he kind of took it to another level. And there's there's a bit with me, which is interesting. When you kind of talk, I'm thinking like, you're, you know, work bloody hard. I'm going to do this on my own back. I don't need anything for free, you know. But there's a, do you ever kind of consider like, are you being pulled through that like insecurity or are you being, you know, being pushed, you know? It's a, yeah, a, it's I mean,
1: uh, yeah, I hope I'm not going to lead us too far off track, but it's, it's one of those where actually there, there's times, don't get me wrong, there's times where you, you come home and you think, why, why am I doing all of this? You know, I'm basically, working working hard for everyone else you know it's not me that that pockets the money and and everything else and um but it is me that's that's on call 24 hours a day seven days a week because if if there's a
2: problem you
1: know I'm I'm closest and I'm the one that's got to sort it out um so there's times where you come home and you think well why don't I just go and manage a farm for someone else you know I I could I know I could go and manage a farm for someone else and that's not to sound big-headed but you know I know I could do that Mm. and I could earn more money in doing that but there's something brilliant about you know building trying to build something and and I've been lucky enough that obviously I've been able to take something on that was well established and pretty secure we're now taking that to a slightly different level in that the business is borrowing a hell of a lot more money than it ever did and everything else so we're we're taking more risks but yeah it's just something great about particularly now that i've got a son you, it already changes your your concept that you know you're you're not just here for you you're here yeah. for for the next generation and the generation after that and if i can take this business to another level and another level after that and whether my son wants to go into it or not, at least he's gonna be well equipped to decide, you know, okay, well, if I don't wanna do that, I might be able to take some resource from that and put that into what I do wanna do. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's what has stopped me going, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump away from this and go and manage someone else's business. It's all about yeah, that kind of period of, of succession really. Um,
0: yeah and that 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 actually i'm not just saying that that is beautiful because i think um you hear that a lot in terms of like the the new life kind of changing your perception on on things and truly realizing there's more to life than just me hmm.
2: um
0: and you know what you're speaking to from an outsider feels like a legacy you know a wider legacy that's beyond you know just you it's your your name it's your family heritage and stuff which is i think it's amazing um and And it
1: it is sorry i'm just gonna say it's it's quite funny because obviously i've said to you growing up it was clear that farming was what i was going to do you know but going to nottingham and managing all those people i've just unlocked this whole new passion for managing people managing Mm -hmm. people is as valuable to me if not more as what goes on out on the farm now you know that's what makes me tick i like knowing you know how to get the best out of people and seeing it come to fruition and yeah. that's why I just think we've you know I think we have become a really good place to work within the industry now because we are taking people into this business who have never been involved either you know directly with with um, arable pigs that we do or just haven't been involved in agriculture as a whole and feel like you know we're taking them on that journey and and they're reaping the rewards of it and so are we and yeah um, yeah, yeah that's that's great to see you know to me that that means as much as if we have a, a record profit um so yeah
0: yeah, yeah. and I, and i think that I, th- I think it actually was stephen barker who we, we both kind of shared interest of listening to his podcast but i think he he said first and foremost every company should see themselves as a recruitment company mm-hmm. and regardless of what industry whatever the, do they do First and foremost, you're, you're recruiting the best talent and you're giving them the best possible uh, facilities and settings to allow them to prosper and to empower them. And I think what you speak to is very much similar to that in terms of it doesn't matter where they come from in terms of a background. We kind of recruit the best people, the best values. You've got hard work, effort. they're in line with, with what we want to achieve, but we give them the best opportunities, the best grounding so that they can actually thrive in terms of our business. And then regardless of what industry you're in, you're going to be on to a winner um and and I think just to kind of round off the kind of misconceptions, the final one I, I thought I would ask, you know, there's been a lot of mention of work and drive, and what I suppose one of the, the con- misconceptions or conceptions, perhaps, that I would say have from farming is is tough, it's hard, long hours, and it's hard work. How how do you I suppose navigate holidays per se? Can you even have a holiday abroad because you're wary of things happening, you know, in the UK and stuff like that? How how does that Work, I suppose.
1: Yes, so it's a good question. Um, for for my staff, whenever they request holiday, they always get it. So, yeah. say someone who works on the the pig side of the business, obviously that's all year round. We're producing pigs, we're having pigs born every single week of the year. Um, but obviously for the business as a whole our kind of peak time is around the cereal harvest because the peaks are still as ongoing as as they are the rest of the year um but on the arable side that's when the serious hours come in to obviously if, if the weather's against us you're you're working to, to get harvesting as quickly as possible as well as possible sort of thing um so july august september are challenging Um, challenging times to to get people to to do such long hours, you know, Um, and someone on the pigs always takes time off in August every year. And I I could see that a lot of people would be like, well, no, we can't, we can't do that because we're busy in another area of the business, but that's, that's not that person's fault. You know, they're working in their sector of it. uh, So we're not going to, you know, not going to change what we do for them sort of thing and um yeah so they they get their time off whenever they request it whether that's in the middle of harvest or not uh for me personally i'm taking my first holiday abroad in about three years in november Mm -hmm. um i i do get away for kind of odd weekends and stuff like that my my fiance will say otherwise um (laughs) (laughs) but i I struggled to switch off, I'll be honest with you, I really struggled to switch off and I think probably the only way I will switch off is by getting out of the country for for a week. Um, yeah. So I had, I suppose, what I would call a day off on, uh, on Thursday, which was to go to London for a meeting about farming, but because I wasn't on the farm, it was almost a day off and, and by like 7.30 in the morning, I'd already had two messages, so... You know, I'm I'm not obviously selling that side of it very well, but the reality is if you're if if it's kind of your your thing or your overall responsibility, then yeah. I guess you're always gonna take less time off. You're always gonna be switched on for longer than everyone else. Um
0: yeah. I I, so. think, I think it's fair to be fair. Like, um I think there's two things I would say. I think we have an obsession with work life balance in, in the current kind of um, society. And I think that's good and bad because I think work life balance is specific to you. Now, work life balance doesn't just mean like nine day fortnights, flexible working and stuff like that. That's one aspect. But if you're inherently in a job that gives you energy and you enjoy it and it's almost your hobby. Why should we demonise and look down on that person and say, oh, you haven't got good work-life balance? It's nothing to It's nothing to do with you. You know, if that's enjoying you and that's giving you energy and that gives you, you know, what you need, then great. You have got work-life balance. It's not just sort of occasionally of just a... We're very structured in our thinking around this. And I think, you know, obviously we have to kind of bear in mind as well, like you kind of touched on, you are ultimately the business owner. So you are kind of the, the peak of the feed chain, I suppose. So you will have greater responsibilities. Um, and at the end of the day, it lies on your door, whether things go good or bad or indifferent. So there will always be a various degree of kind of responsibility on the roles as opposed to, like you said, the person with the pig farming who still has their leave in peak harvest as opposed to you and others. So, I, I you know, it, it's nothing to do with selling it. I think this, this is the key for me just to get across the reality of, of the role. Yeah. And, and, and th- I think I think that's that's fair.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like from listening to some of your previous episodes, you obviously... Uh, sort of tend to try and get people to question their decisions don't you and which which is great you know and, and I always think of one to myself which is what would I do if I won the lottery yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and what I'd do if I won the lottery is exactly what I'm doing now and that's exactly. as you say that work-life balance I love coming into work you know I absolutely love work um it's not it's not just the job for me it's so much yeah. more than that and that You know, when I say about, yes, I could go somewhere else, I could go into another industry even, I think I'm capable of doing that and earning a lot more money in the here and now. But that doesn't, I don't think that would get me up in the morning. You know, what gets me up in the morning is this thought of growing something really great. Like I say, seeing people progress from one level to the next, that's what, you know, is sort of making it all worthwhile for me
0: amen yeah and i and i and I would say I'm completely aligned with you, so in terms of building my coaching practice, I think to see the journeys that you take people on like there's nothing better and mm. i I did exactly the same question as you said, so I said, if I won the lottery, what would I do, and it would be coaching people, yeah, and like this podcast and the coaching practice, you know, touchwood, I hope to do it when I'm eighty. Like I, I love talking to people and have interesting conversations and kind of broadening my horizons. Like I would do that till I'm eighty, ninety, and coaching people, I would do it e- even if it's half a day a week, whatever I can physically capably do, I would still be doing that. Um, and that is the reason why I'm, I'm kind of turning my efforts to this because this is what I want to do to the rest of my days, really. So yeah, I, I think it's a really good point, and thank you for kind of illustrating it because I think work-life balance is specific to you don't be brought into narratives you know of, oh this is what i should do i think it's important to think about what you want to do personally um and, and, and i suppose kind of pivoting slightly to now to think about i suppose the, the role and the responsibilities and get into a bit of the detail i suppose what what would you say the average week looks like for you or, or, or perhaps uh, people who work at, at, at your kind of organization
1: yeah so some of the roles here are obviously very routine so you know first and foremost animals need need feeding, um, crops need inspecting and treating and stuff like that so there's obviously lots of routine tasks that have to go on because that's the nature of the business you know crops are at different growth stages at different times of the year, pigs are always ongoing here so you know there's a, there's a routine of you know, when they're going to give birth, when they're being served, when we're pregnancy scanning, all of that side of things. For, for me, my average week is very much trying to work with the variables. So in farming, the big ones, obviously the weather. Um, so I don't know exactly what's going to be happening next week because the forecast could change. So yeah. you, you almost have two plans for everything, you know, because it's like, right, well, if it's dry, I know next week we're going to be drilling some crops. If it's wet, then we're going to have to start looking at sort of servicing some machinery for over winter and, and having things ready to go when it needs to go again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so that, that's kind of the challenging part. And really my role is, is almost like being the glue, just trying to piece everything together, um, and make it stick one way or another,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: um, yeah, so pretty much for me, it's about giving people the tools they need to to do their jobs. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. but it's it's very hard to answer an average week in farming because in in July and August, obviously i'm I'm on a machine sort of yep. f- fifteen hours a day, um, whereas this time of year. I'm actually having a a morning off to talk to you sort of thing, and uh, <laughs> that's that's rare. But yeah, uh, and then you know, <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: uh, I'm putting a bill in. That's all right. Man, so. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, it's 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 very different because it's so seasonal. There's you know, there's peak times with with the arable, um, whereas the pigs, like I say, is, is very routine for the guys that are involved in that.
0: Yeah, and 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 I think. I think, like like you said, there is no such thing as an average week. But even again, for people who listen, I suppose who are you know this is starting to open their eyes to so whether this is an industry they would like to kind of get into. It, you even mentioned some of the feeding roles compared to your roles and other stuff. Some roles perhaps might be more routine, so you might kind of come in yeah. know roughly what you're doing. You're going to do probably one of these four tasks and um, at a fairly kind of periodic basis. And that might be perfect for someone. So someone might like want to come in with no kind of frills or spills, and kind of know this is roughly what I'm going to be doing. This is roughly the times of, the, of year, depending on weather, etc. You're going to do in it, um, and that might suit them more. Perhaps there's, but there's other roles that might be more thinking on your feet and a lot more kind of variety and kind of almost crisis management to a low level, and um, which might apply to other people. So I think for me, again, it's just like reinforcing you know it's not just one role and just one job in farming there's various roles that can apply to various different people in terms of what they enjoy you know
1: yeah I mean a lot of yeah it is exactly that I mean a lot of my role is liaising with specialist advisors that we have for all different areas of the business so you know it's not just me and then the others that are on the farm we yeah. have you know an agronomist who's away from the farm who advises us on crop health we have a soil nutritionist who advises us on how we can you know make our soils more sustainable and improve the long-term health that will improve crop yields we have a vet for animal health and welfare um we have accountants uh, tax advisors um mm-hmm. yeah there's just literally Something for everyone in this industry, you know, it's um, yeah, it, it there literally is something for everyone if you like a routine, if you don't like a routine. So, you know, a, a lot of the people here on the farm, like I say, on the pig side, that is very routine and that works really well for people that like that structure. Yeah, and for me, I, I couldn't do that role within the yeah. business, I, I hate routine. You so. know? <laughs> I, if I try and set a routine, I might do it for you know, a couple of weeks and then something always comes up and it's whether, you know, it's not necessarily that I let it stop the routine, but it's just what what works for me and um yeah, I love being sort of here, there and everywhere and almost quite like the challenge of trying to solve a problem. Um whereas other people really like their routine and if something takes them off track of that then they have a nightmare trying to trying to actually get through that day knowing that the routine's been being thrown out sort of thing so again that's where it comes into people management you know knowing that that works for some people here so you have to do everything you can to keep their routine as it is and as soon as it goes off track you know you're almost looking at yourself saying well I need to make sure that doesn't happen again um, yeah. for their benefit sort of thing so
2: yeah, yeah no. I, don't,
1: I probably haven't answered your question very well at all but that
0: yeah no, 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 no. You, you have, you have. I know. I think it's it. It's just constantly shedding a bit of light on what the reality is of these careers. Because you know, I always say this. There's a bit like lawyer, a bit like farming, a bit like teaching, whatever it is. There'll be people in different backgrounds that one might not have even heard of them as a career, um, and it's very hard to do or aspire to do something that you can't see or that you don't know about. And there are then careers that you do know about, but you think you can't get into them, e.g. farming. Um, And I think it's just like constantly shared in the light of like, you know, I always say, this is the podcast I wish I had when I was like 15, 16, and I was thinking, right, I'm going to, I have to be an accountant or this or that or a management consultant and that's it, basically. I had no idea how many different fields and careers were out there for me. And if I knew that, I reckon, you know, I, I have no regrets and I don't, I don't even really believe in regrets. I think everything helps shape us to be the person yeah. we are today. But what I would have done is probably taken a few different decisions in life. I'm, I might have done a, a few different things, a few different jobs. Um, and if I can share that and help just even one person have A better understanding and go into a different career that ultimately, like me and you have said, they're doing something that makes them happy, regardless of the financial kind of implement. Um, and of course, don't get me wrong, you need to earn a power note to kind of you know sustain your life. I think that will be massive. That's that's that is the legacy I'm trying to kind of live, live against, I suppose. So it, it no, it, it, it's definitely covered that. And I suppose uh, going more, oh, sorry, gone, Jack, gone, uh, yeah. I was, I
1: was just going to say that I, I do think like people shouldn't be afraid to try something new. And, you know, I go back to sick form and university, which I obviously tried and and gave up very quickly on both of those occasions. And at the time, you're almost thinking, oh, well, I've I've started it now. I've kind of got to see it through because that's what people would want. Or, you know, I I can't deal with the flack if I I come away from it sort of thing. Yeah. and I, I did, from from some particular people, I did get a bit of a half a hard time when when making that change, you know, making that decision to step away from that path. But looking back, it's, it, you know, it was exactly the right decision for me and no one else would know that that was the right or the wrong decision at the time. So mm. you just, I, I don't know, it's really easy to say it, but you just need to be afraid not to that sorry to not be afraid to do something because yeah you never know what it can lead to
0: 100 percent, and i think that the two quick things i would say on that is um that the whole kind of sunk cost fallacy so i've now i'm here i've spent the money i have spent the time i have to do it i think that shows uh, a real like high degree of self-awareness and kind of like understanding from you to like quit things quickly um and it's like oh you failed and you haven't done it no actually you know what you want to do and you've, you know, regardless of what people thought about you, you've still made the decision regardless. I think that's, like, really, really kind of high level. Um, And, and I've got the last, I've got the second bit.
2: <laughs>
1: I, I, I think, yeah, that it's a really good point, and it's one of those that, like, if you're too afraid of failure, you won't succeed. That's it. You know, that, yeah. that, is, that is the reality of it, you know. If you're so worried about what other people are thinking or what's going to go wrong, then you'll you'll never achieve what's going to be right, you know
0: no and and thank you for saying that because you just reminded me the second bit for me is i always try to embrace um kind of uh discomfort so when i know so i now use this as my bearing so when i'm like oh i'm not sure about that and i get that little feeling in your belly and you're thinking oh is this a bit is it pushing me a bit i'm like i have to do it yeah. so as soon as i feel that discomfort i'm like i have to do this now and you know i still regard myself as an introvert i like time by myself and i like to recharge my, my batteries alone but most people will see me in my coaching space or delivering workshops or kind of being the center of attention because of the nature of my role and they wouldn't consider that at all and my kind of public speaking and communication has gone from strength to strength because i've embraced that discomfort and i've gone oh that someone wants you to talk around the board and deliver a presentation i think oh christ no, i couldn't think of anything worse and then my brain will tick like five seconds out and I'll be like, yeah, you have to do this now. Because this,
1: cause this yeah. makes you look
0: discomfort, you but, now have to do how, this.
1: How did, you, how did you make that initial step? Like, how did you have the guts to do that? You know, because I think that's brilliant being able to obviously put yourself out of your comfort zone. But yeah. The reality is, you know, it, it sort of looms closer and closer and people want to step away from it. it's probably something i do a little bit as well i'm a little bit sometimes you know you just think right i'm gonna just step away from that i've committed to do something but i'm not sure about it now and you almost yeah step back from that and you can easily particularly in this job you can easily find another excuse or something's (laughs) come up blah blah yeah Um, i i I,
0: I think it's twofold i think i think it's a really good question firstly so thank you for asking it because i reckon a lot of people will be thinking the same so there's twofold there's exposure therapy and there's looking back at the past. So the the kind of look the exposure therapy, they say, is is simply like so if you're scared of spiders, so my, my partner and my wife is scared of spiders, hates them, right? And every time there'll be a spider, I'm the one who has to kind of pick them up with yeah. glass or whatever, and she can get rid of them. So like there's various levels to kind of getting so it. So it it can go from the simplest level of seeing a picture of a spider, and that might trigger you and set you off. Then it might be in the same room as the spider and then watching me get rid of this, the, the, the kind of spider. Then it might be, I don't know, they give me the glass. They put the glass on the spider, but then I take the spider out myself and then eventually they do it. So that's just, you're slowly building at the lowest level in terms of exposure therapy. Like a common one is like communication. So if you have to do communication in front of groups of strangers, you might start with doing a recording on your phone. So you just record yourself and that will be cringy and that will give you a bit of discomfort. You might then share a cord into a, a close friend, a, a best friend. So you know that you're not, you know, you still have those judgments in your mind about what they're going to think about me. And then from there, you might do it to one stranger and then eventually you might transition to in person. So it's building it up in slow, slow elements, you know, rather than saying, right, I'm going to go Toastmasters in front of a thousand people and start doing a speech. So that, that that's the big thing I incorporated with all the bits of discomfort I had. And then the second big thing is past experiences. So we're so like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? Especially me. I'm the worst for it. I'm I'm always like, what's next? But if I look back, even in the last year, five years, ten years, of all the things I've done and how far I've grown, you know, even if I think about the Duke of Edinburgh. So I did a gold Duke of Edinburgh canoeing, Loch Ness, and I think it was Loch Locky, wild camping, you know, like half the time, a, a good friend of mine, uh, the sports di- uh, sports writer, Joe, who was previously um, kind of on the podcast, he was cutting a bottle in half and kind of chucking water out whilst we're in the middle of Loch Ness. And I'm thinking, what the hell am I doing? And if I look back to that situation, how much resilience and how much that kind of built me up as a person, it's massive. And I think we're so quick to kind of forget about all the little kind of accomplishments that we've done in the past that a mix of that exposure therapy and a mix of all the things uh, and another good friend a chap called Robin White who who does business coaching I believe he calls them like truth statements We're writing down what is true so I I do run a coaching practice I have transitioned um my career um I'm married to a, 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 my kind of soulmate um I have gone in the gold jacket these are all true these are whatever happens to me these things I've done and I think a mix of those two things really build you up it's not like you know, looking in the mirror and shouting kind of stuff at yourself and saying you're amazing, and, and don't get me wrong, there's a place for that, but it's real practical things that have actually helped me, and that's the big thing I always think with coaching. You, sometimes people think it's a bit woo-woo, but for me, coming from the reality and the situations I'm in, that's where coaching really brings to the fore, and I have some real practical insights to actually help people on that yeah. journey. So hopefully, that gives you a, a bit of a understanding, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. So the, the, the kind of the to transition a little bit you've mentioned your average week we've done some misconceptions i suppose first and foremost what what are some of the skills and education requirements per se so if we're looking for people now they like the sound of it there's various roles i could get into you know actually you you, you've debusted some myths so it is some it's a much more appealing industry as a business owner i suppose yourself like What are some of the skills, educational requirements people can start to look at or utilise to to start to pivot into this industry?
1: Yeah, so it all depends on, you know, where you're going to work within the industry. There's so many jobs out there, um, obviously overall, but also within agriculture, where basically if you haven't got a degree, don't apply, you know, Mm. and... Which which was another reason for kind of this trying of university, because again you almost get get sort of so sucked in by that that you feel like well, if I don't have that piece of paper that rules me out of i don't know however many percent of the jobs that are available um don't get me wrong, that is in agriculture, you know so there will be some jobs where they say that is a requirement, certainly in this business we don't require that. I've got some people that do have a degree. I've got some people that don't um, whether they had that on their CV or not. I don't know if this is going to be nice for people that do have a degree to hear but I wouldn't you know, it wouldn't um, change my mindset about that person one bit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, for for this business, the key requirements are a willingness to learn patience because you know, there's, there's other people on the site there's animals on the site um, a calmness an ability to deal with things under pressure and other that other than that you know we can work with everything else Um, I always think the more detailed a job description is in terms of requirements what people are looking for on an advert the less people want to invest in in that that person Mm -hmm. you know if they're if they're looking for the the complete person that's great but are we ever really at that point? you know and yep. for us it's about investing in the people if we can get the right characters here then we feel like everything else will will piece together sort of thing and and that can be worth a lot more than someone who thinks they do know it all um again we've had both <laughs> we've had both here um we've had some people who will come in and say look i know nothing about this but i like the the sound of the advert um and you know that's great, and then we've had other people that will say, "Yeah, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that." Uh, if you've been to Tenner Reef, I've been to Eleven Reef, that kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> uh, and, and again, that's worked at times, but other times it it hasn't. Um, so yeah, the requirements really are those those core skills that I don't think I don't think you can train someone to be patient I don't think you can train someone to be calm um Um, I might be wrong and you might you might disagree with that but I I think you can develop you know and improve it slightly but I think if you don't have a bit of that about you that's not something that us as a business could really get on board with
2: mm -hmm, um mm -hmm.
1: other than that yeah then we're we're willing there's so many training courses out there um, and opportunities for us to invest in people that we feel like, yeah, whatever the, the, the their sort of skill set in terms of qualifications and past experience, we can cope with that and yeah,
2: yeah.
1: And do no, what he's doing. I, I love that.
0: I love, and and for me, again, what I'm hearing is, I mean, first and foremost, it sounds like you're creating something really special. I would say, and with with what you're saying, but for me, it, it just, it screams like a values-based business. Um, and I've mentioned this slightly with um uh, Katie, uh, or Kate who's run, runs a, a marketing agency, but I think it's really powerful, like your core components of that person, that the, their core values, um, and a lot of stuff can be upskilled and trained, but the person itself, you know, it takes a whole lot of self-awareness and some real deep transformation to kind of make those changes. But if someone ultimately has values that align with you and is willing to work and is open to learning, and even if they have got qualifications, doesn't think they're perfect and they know it all, you know, that is worth a hell of a lot more than someone who's like done all the qualifications and thinks they're an expert and hasn't got anything else to learn. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think what you, you say is is amazing, really. for. for we,
1: we know that we've had to adapt to become like that. You know, mm. we there was a need to do that. So we've mentioned that obviously we we need more people in the industry it is a struggle getting people in and you are now having to sell yourself to candidates you know yeah. um I know you had another podcast where you were talking about actually what is a job interview weren't you with this, this yeah. back and forth rather than you know you're interviewing me you ask me a question I answer and then I wait for you to to ask me another one yeah and that, this, you mentioned culture that that's exactly what yeah. we have been working on and that is absolutely key in any industry now whereas mm-hmm. i think if even now you would ask some farmers you know what 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 do you think i mean by the word culture and they wouldn't know where and earth to start they probably just thought that you'd misspelled cultivate or something <laughs> like that you know so it, there's still a long way to go for a lot of people in this industry but we've had to make that step to make ourselves more appealing to get people in and I think if we're one of the first to do that and we can you know master that as best we can whilst whilst keep developing it further then that's going to make us a better place to work than than some others you know
2: definitely
0: definitely and and I suppose as we kind of start to pull up the kind of the podcast to 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 a close I think you know you you've had such a a varied and and kind of um extensive background in terms of the, the industry you know what you've shared today uh, and the question as you've listened to a few episodes you'll probably know what what's coming but like if you were to enter the industry again as that, as that fresh faced uh, jack a uh, uh, a few years ago what what would be your advice in terms of uh, for yourself that 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 younger jack if you're entering the industry again
1: um i think probably just improving like my awareness of my emotions if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um yeah there's times where you've almost made decisions because you think that's what you should be doing or you know you want to please other people or whatever
2: Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. you
1: step into that and it it, it's not working for you you know like I said it's not making
2: you tick it's not making you want to get up in the morning and I think if I I should have yeah, just being more aware that I, it's about me, you know, in the nicest possible way. My decisions
1: are, are yeah. about me. Obviously, they have an effect on other people. But if I can't make myself happy with that decision, then does anything else sort of matter? That, that might yeah. sound a bit selfish, but yeah. um, I just I think too, too many people are trying to go with the flow in life you know and um if I could just imagine a group of friends you know and someone in that group says I want to be a farmer and the other people in that group would say well why on earth do you want to do that you know based on this preconceived idea and that would rule it out they'd never explore it again and I Mm -hmm. just think that's sad that it it can get like that and I I go back to you know earlier in my life and yeah there's times that i've i've tried to please too many other people and forgotten about you know the here and now and the, the me in it so um yeah that's that's probably what i'd say to people just just be a bit more aware of of your emotions you know yeah. with how you're feeling it's so easy just to try and try and please others all the time but don't hesitate to be a little bit more selfish
0: amen I, I absolutely
1: love that and again you you know there's
0: a common theme here all the pieces of advice are never industry specific they're always things that apply to to anybody from any industry any role and I think on that word of being selfish you know we see the word selfish as a negative thing it absolutely doesn't have to be I mean yeah. if you're selfish to yourself to make yourself happy and to ultimately have a wider impact and to make your family happy and to do, there's no negativity involved in that, in my, my understanding at all. Um, and if you can't do something for you and then, uh, you know, who are you doing it for? You know, yeah. are you always going to be living someone else's life? So, you know, thank you so much for kind of sharing that. Cause I think it's, I think it's truly powerful, and I think anybody, regardless of their age, regardless of their experience, um, you know, emotional intelligence is something I commonly talk about, and it's something we cover a lot in coaching. So I think it's really important that that people kind of grow, grow that understanding. Um, and I suppose before we kind of pull you, uh, this this to a close, is there anything, you know, we we've, we we've, we've spoke about raft different topics about misconceptions, um aspects of the role, what, are, what are some of the skills and common um, educational requirements perhaps may be to enter this industry. Is there anything we we haven't covered that, that you, you think we, we should discuss before we close?
2: I,
1: I would just say that, you know, for those people who are listening that don't really know what they want to do yet or have listened to some of this and thought, well, he's blabbed on about quite a lot, but I still don't really know any more about it. Um, get in touch with me because i will always try and help people who want to get in you know whether that's young or old we need good people in this industry and and if you want to do well in farming you will and yeah. and you know the there's a lot of earning potential there, there's so much opportunity there's obviously a lot of development in terms of the, the science you know and how things are changing basically as a as A nation we've got to try and produce more food from less resource and you know there's a hell of an opportunity for for people to be a part of that um so yeah it's easy for me to say oh we need to get more young people in and then kind of turn this podcast off and not do anything um so anyone who's listening who's interested in in being involved you know young or old then feel free to reach out to me and I'll happily either put you in touch with you know uh kind of a a bigger organization within agriculture who can help get you started or if you're wanting to just learn more then i'll i'll try and pick it up and answer it as terribly as i've probably answered
2: most of these (laughs) questions
1: (laughs) i mean
0: i i can hear a bit of self-doubt creeping in Um, i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna switch my coach brain off but um yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely and thank you so much for that that offer and um, for everyone listening, I'll be sure to include in the show notes um, various ways to contact Jack if, if you want to reach out. And please do. I always encourage people to, to do so for every episode um, of the podcast. So I suppose thank you so much for your time, Jack. Honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been great to, to catch up um, and and to kind of hear a real deep dive in, into the farming industry.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me and good luck.
0: Cheers. Thank you. And and thanks to all those who listen again uh, on this episode of Catapult Your Career. And I look forward to seeing you on the next one.